0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash power There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today we'd like to um, suggest 4-hour work week, escape the 9 to 5, live anywhere, and join the new rich, the expanded and updated version by Timothy Ferris. (music)
1: Welcome to Using Your Power. I'm David Andrew Weeb, and joining me as always is...
0: It's Maveen Cora.
1: How are you doing, Mav? I'm good,
0: man. I'm excited. What about you? Yeah, I'm powered up for sure. Yeah, I love it. You're all
1: powered up. That's right. That's because it's the theme of this podcast.
0: (laughs) Well, what is the theme of this podcast?
1: Using Your Power.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the topic is?
1: Today's topic is outside-the-box thinking, how and why. Wow, that's really cool. So
0: why did we come up with outside-the-box thinking?
1: You know, I think a lot of people find themselves in situations or difficulties that they can't solve. We actually talked a little bit about this in the episode on time and money, because we got into this discussion of people often say, I have time, but no money, money, but no time, no time or no money. And they find themselves in situations that they don't believe that can be easily solved. And that's where often with a little bit of creative thinking, and I learned this in network marketing big time, I figured out that... You know, there's often solutions to problems we don't immediately see. And that's why I decided it's a very beneficial and useful topic for everybody that's listening in.
0: Excellent. You know, and one of the things that uh, when, I, when you came up with this topic was, you know, I used to think back to when I was writing resumes when I first started working, and I used to put that on my resume. I'm an outside the box <laughs> thinker. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those cool things to write, but I always wondered, was I really an outside the box thinker? And, you know, I think more and more as we've been doing these shows and more and more that I'm writing on my blog, you know, the more I'm learning that I am actually an outside the box thinker, trying to get people to think a little bit different as well as not just myself, but others as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And in Australia, I did a little bit of research. It, it, it turns out it's all, they call. They say it, thinking outside the square instead of thinking outside the box. So,
0: so is that the same thing as thinking outside the rectangle? I
1: don't know. It's, not, it's
0: still kind of got that same shape.
1: Now you're just kind of adding your own <laughs> to the whole mix. But yeah, for, if we do, do happen to have any Australian listeners, then then they'll be able to relate better having said that. Very simply, you know, thinking outside the box is a metaphor that's been used to describe thinking differently or just creative thinking, where the box refers to something that can be measured, like basically any kind of constraints you might have, whether that's financial, emotional, physical, relational, and and, and so on. And it's often used in business environments. I think much to the dismay of, of workers or employees within a business because they hate hearing their manager say one more time, think outside the box. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it has wider applications to life as well. And I think it does require deeper thinking. I mean, that's part of what our show is all about is thinking deeper. So it, it does require you to see beyond the obvious, I think.
0: No, for sure. And, you know, the idea is if you don't think outside the box, you know, the management team at your company will think outside the box, right? And, uh, you know, for anybody who's listening who is working a nine-to-five job, you know, your goal is to, in my opinion, and especially in this economy, right, which is very unknown, you know, um, is to really be able to keep your job if that's what your plan is, right? And you do sometimes have to think outside the box on how to find solutions uh, to old problems, right? You know, I'm not saying... um, Reinvent the wheel, but sometimes there is a better way to do things that you've already been doing, right? So I know uh, working at many different companies, you know, a lot of people don't like the change, right? Because they're so used to and are so comfortable in the way they've been doing the same work for a long, long time. Uh, when they, you know, have been approached by somebody who says, "Hey, well, there's a better way to do this, you know, and what about we do step one, step two, and step three, and it'll actually knock." you know, the time down by three hours will make us more productive. We'll be able to do, you know, a whole bunch of more stuff for the company and make the company more money. A lot of people don't want to do that because, you Mm -hmm. know, they want to continue to do what they've been doing and stay in their comfort zone while the people who are going to succeed are really going to be the people who think outside the box and make it, uh, you know, uh, a way the company can succeed because
1: of their thinking. Something that came to mind as you're sharing is the idea of having a backup plan. So often we go into these jobs and like you said, your position isn't always completely secure and really you don't know what's going to happen for your future. So I know some people get fired and then try to scramble and figure out a solution, which if when you're under a lot of financial pressure, I don't think most of us really think that well on our feet. We like to think we do some people do, but I think very few of us actually think that well on our feet to where we can just come up with a lot of great solutions and a lot of ideas in the spot when we're in that desperation. So having some kind of backup plan, whether it's something that you start working on today where you build a blog and you, you spend half an hour, an hour every day, just like updating it and building it and building an audience for yourself so that you have something to fall back on or start your freelancing career or initiating some kind of program that gets you to the point where where, you know, if you lost your job, maybe you don't have the ability to fully replace that income, but you have something that you can fall back on. And if it's already proven to get some income for you in some way, then you know that it's something that you can scale to
0: right and you know I love what you've just explained because it's a lot of what uh, I've been doing since January right it's just kind of building the website and uh, you know working you know just working through all the little things and you know I was just joking with you you know I'm learning how to just put all the stuff that you showed me back in 2014 2015 I'm now relearning how to do that because I've taken more of an initiative to actually want to move forward with it versus keeping it as a hobby right so uh, you know in order to continue to do those things, I have to keep learning and I have to, you know, go out there and listen to the people, who, you know, who are thinking outside of the box, uh, from all the different podcasts and all the different articles that I'm reading, and especially all the people who have, uh, made a difference, right. You know, like the Neil Patels and like the Tim mm-hmm. Ferriss's, you know, and kind of listen to what they're saying and, and kind of apply what they're saying too. Just same as, uh, James Schremko as well. Right. So.
1: Yeah. And I'm, Mav, I'm sure you have this experience of listening to something or reading an article that, was not terribly helpful to you because you'd already heard all those tips before, or you'd actually even heard them explained better than whoever the author of that blog post or podcast episode was. So, you know, it's also kind of the source of the information. Neil Patel doesn't just give you five blanket tips on how to get better, you know, emails or how to, how to build better emails or how to build a better blog. It's usually very specific and actionable things that you can act on now. So it's really great to tune into people like that, who who are thinking about growth hacking and, and moving forward with things instead of just people who are going to give you blanket tips that you don't even know apply to what they're doing.
0: No, For sure. And, you know, and that's why I enjoy that too, right? And um, just because I listen to one podcast and then read an article, you know, sometimes I, I miss things as well, right? Our brain, you know, sometimes is so focused on one point that the, the author made that we sometimes forget you know, don't hear some of the other things that the author is saying. So going back and re-listening to that podcast or re-reading those articles is also a great idea. And, you know, um, if you're going to be making any of those changes to your, uh, you know, website or whatnot as you're reading that article, make those changes. Step one, make those changes, then move on to point number two. You know, don't read the whole article and then try to remember what the article said about all the changes you had to do so you can get a better SEO, for example, right? Follow along to exactly what he's saying. So one of the things I was uh, actually just reading... um, an article that he had put out about, uh, Instagram and kind of mm. how to set up your Instagram. So it's a little bit more professional. So and I followed each example one by one and, you know, a lot of people may just read it and say, Oh, you know, this is a great article, but it's actually looking at what he's saying and understanding why, you know, the science behind the, why I thought was more important.
1: That's also a good reason to take notes. A lot of people don't really take notes, whether they're just sitting in a conference or an event or a seminar, or even just reading blog posts and listening to podcasts. It's something some people don't just, they don't do enough of and which, so they only retain a very small portion of the whole thing. It's better to retain some than not at all. But if you want to take away more and you know create some action steps for yourself, then you'd also want to make sure you're taking notes.
0: Right, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that you you got... I guess to get me to get into what some of the things I wrote was, um, is connecting to people, right? So, if you're going to connect to people, sometimes you do need to take notes, right? If you can't just read a book that tells you how to connect to somebody, you really have to take notes and then apply those notes, right? I think Mm. one of the the ideas, you know, behind uh, Think, Act, Get with James Shrenko and Ezra Firestone is the idea of thinking, taking those notes and learning it and then applying it, right? It's such a great title and I wish I could have stole it from him before he registered. Um, But it, it really explains to you, right? And one of the things I did, um, you know, for discoveryourlifetoday.com, um, what I wanted to do was show people how to connect, right? So one of the articles I wrote uh, was 10 ways to celebrate Ramadan for non-Muslims, right? right? This is a way for people to connect to other people, right? So I was kind of trying to think outside the box and said, hey, look, if we're trying to, you know, create awareness, we're trying to create community, and we're, we really want people to connect, right, to, to their neighbors and their friends at work and really start understanding each other, uh, you know, how can we connect connect, right? So one of the things I looked at was, well, I'm not Muslim, but I want to learn a little bit more about Ramadan, right? So I said, okay, well, I can write about this article and find ways that, you know, people can help because there's over a billion people who are Muslim on this planet, right? So um, in order to be able to connect and understand these people, you have to understand their culture, understand their religion. So that was the reason I wrote that article, because if you can really You don't necessarily have to believe what they believe and celebrate in the way they celebrate, but there's a way to connect to them while they're celebrating and really build that human connection.
1: I like that. I'm currently reading a book by David Neal or David Nile. I'm sure I butchered his last name there, (laughs) but it's called Do You Talk Funny? And it's actually about presentation skills, honing your, your speaking by incorporating more humor into your presentations and, and the things that you share with people, even in your daily communication. obviously it can be improve by adding more humor to the conversation because people love to laugh generally I know I love to laugh a lot so one of the tips that he has it's very simple and I think we can all do a better job of this start macro and then go micro so start with something that everybody can relate to which is kind of what you're saying Maveen you know this whole concept of, of Ramadan might be kind of foreign to some people but if you start with a macro and say you know we all have traditions or we all have beliefs or we all have cultural things that we we do or we carry out in our daily lives if you start there then more people can relate and then you can begin to go more micro into the story and and share the specifics of what ramadan means
0: Exactly. You know, one of the examples in the article is, you know, doing something simple for your neighbor, right? So understanding, one, that these the people are not going to be drinking any liquids, right? So if you have a plus 30, plus 35 day, as it can get that hot sometimes in Canada and in the U.S. and in, in other countries as well, that you got to keep in mind if, if these people that are your neighbors are still having to do yard work and they're not able to drink water, well, they're going to get dehydrated. So one of the things I recommended was, you know, a uh, great way to connect is maybe help that neighbor. Say, hey, you know what? Do you mind if I cut your grass for you today? Something super simple? simple, just an easy way to think outside the box and really connect to your neighbor and in the humanity of that person and in yourself as well.
1: Absolutely. One of the things I wanted to cover was just why you would want to think outside the box. And I think we're going to, we kind of answered that in the intro. And I think we're going to continue to answer that throughout this episode as well. But just to give you some more concrete examples of what that looks like, you know, I'm going to start by saying what I sort of started this episode saying, which is that everybody has problems that aren't easily solved, but many people don't carefully consider the options before making rash decisions. And so here are some of the reasons why we would all want to spend more time or practice thinking outside the box more often. For some people, it could literally mean the difference between life and death, being jailed or set free, committing crime or maintaining integrity, declaring bankruptcy or rebuilding their wealth. And we can see that from from the movies. You know, movies are sensationalism and they've often been (laughs) traumatized. But so often you have a movie where, you know, there's a couple and they're in financial trouble and the next thing you know, the the woman decides to strip and, and then their relationship goes completely awry and things go very badly for them because they get involved in drugs, alcohol and gangs. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's what happens to everybody. I'm just saying, you know, the movies portray how little we actually think outside the box at times because we think our first solution is to do something bad to get out of our situation when in reality you actually probably have a lot of options to consider and some other reasons why you'd want to think outside the box. It can make you more valuable in your work. So in the workplace, I think we, we touched on that at, towards the beginning as well. If you want to be more valuable to your company than being able to present new solutions to the problems that the corporation is experiencing, Hopefully there isn't too much red tape holding you back, but you could definitely share your ideas with your manager or your, your executive leaders. It can also help you solve your own problems and other people's problems. So you can add more value to others, like as a business owner or freelancer or something like that. Or you can just find issues in your own life that you hadn't considered ways of solving before, whether it's like a illness or chronic condition. And then you can also help you find solutions where maybe none appeared or existed before.
0: Right. You know, great, uh, great words there. And, you know, one of the things that hit me was the first point. Actually, was uh, it could literally mean the difference between life and death, being mm-hmm. jailed or set free, committing a crime or or staying, you know, keeping your in- integrity, uh, declaring bankruptcy or rebuilding your wealth. So yes. one of the things that made me really think about all that is um, that box that has to happen in. Is in your own head first right you have to make the decision of those questions uh, in your head first so you know am I going to commit a crime or am I going to find the right way to you know feed my family you know am I going to declare bankruptcy or am I going to figure out you know how can I get out of this problem so even if you declare bankruptcy today it doesn't mean once you know you're out of that bankruptcy, you won't, you know, get yourself back into those same troubles down the road, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, I believe, uh, you know, Canada and U.S., you can, uh, you know, once you declare bankruptcy, you're not allowed to restart getting credit cards and all that kind of stuff, I believe, for seven years. So, wonderful. What are you going to do in that seven years so you never get into that bankruptcy problem? A lot of people, unfortunately, don't take the right steps uh, and think, you know, what can I do to not get in that problem again? Instead, they declare bankruptcy and then go to the exact same pattern seven years later, get credit cards, get back in the same kind of debt problem. And so it really made me think, you know, to get out of those problems, you first have to think uh, uh, with the thing in between your two years,
1: your brain that's right and it definitely can be hard to improvise at times too because you might be put on the spot with a very dis- difficult decision that that you have to make but i've often found that that i've had that ability it was just more a matter of being open to certain scenarios or options or possibilities that that may not have been you know something you thought of before just being in in school in japan i think is you know the the whole human condition is to move towards pleasure or move away from pain And I often found myself thinking about ways to move away from pain because in the Japanese school system You know, I grew up with a teacher that was basically abusive. I know it's kind of a weird place to bring this up, but <laughs> <laughs> You know, he, he would pull the hair of some kids or he would throw basketballs at them or he would push them around and, and stuff like that And and it you know Japan this kind of thing was certainly prominent at the time bullying and things like that could happen. Not necessarily from your teachers, although it seems like in every school there was at least one teacher that was kind of mad.
0: Right. And, you know, you make me go back to my parents' history too, right? You know, when they were in school in India and stuff, um, if they had done something wrong, they were late or, you know, even answered a question incorrectly, they would actually get their hands smacked by a ruler, right? So, yeah. I mean, this this technique of um, thinking outside of the box may, you know, it's, to us, it's thinking outside the box, you know, is getting people disciplined in a way that we in North American society don't discipline our children, right? Um, we don't think, you know, corporal punishment on hitting them in the hands or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, uh, is a good idea. You know, we think we should be teaching them in a different way, showing them the way to do it. But sometimes, you know, um, having a little bit of force, such as the pulling of the hair and that this teacher was doing, was maybe showing them a little bit different, you know, showing the students a little different technique that may have worked. I mean, again, th- maybe the teacher went through this and the teacher's only using the techniques that worked for him or her at this time, right? So they're just kind of passing that same technique without really thinking about, you know, psychologically what that type of um, action is actually doing to these kids, right? It's They're not really thinking far into the future. They
1: may only be thinking uh, in the moment and you know trying to get that kid to be disciplined i think what you described still happened in my parents generation with you know, getting slapped with belts or, or with rulers like you said. So it, it definitely did happen in North America. It just doesn't really happen anymore in the in the same way. But I, yeah, I think I mean, abuse, violence, that kind of thing is not is not healthy no matter what context. I think you are right. He maybe had no other way of, of expressing himself, or at least a specific teacher in Japan. I'd also heard that he, he changed significantly as a person after he got married, so take that for what you will. I'm not sure what happened or, or you know, what went down to cause him to be a different person, but you know, I guess it probably was new stresses in life that he was dealing with.
0: Right. Well, you know, um, did he get? Did he start being more abusive after he got married or before he got married? After. Yeah. Wow. That's after. what I.
1: That's what I'd heard. Yeah.
0: Wow. So you know, he uh, yeah definitely looks like he was maybe bringing some of the things that were frustrating him at home into the classroom because, of course, you know, maybe he can't you know, hurt his wife, but he can definitely hurt these kids. And the kids won't say nothing because he's the teacher. He's seen as somebody that can do these things or should be able to do these things, especially in, maybe in a culture that allows it as well, right? Uh, maybe the culture doesn't see it as uh, a good thing at home, but it's okay with it at school, right? Because again, I think in Japan, they definitely value their education. They want their, their students to do well. Correct me if I'm
1: wrong. There's a lot of pressure.
0: Yeah. So with all that pressure, I think... Uh, him using that outlet maybe the stress from home and putting it on the kids maybe is pushing the kids to do better because they are going to have that pressure to be a more of a success down in later in life right so his thinking may have not been the best but it could have been uh, outside of the box thinking if, if you really start looking at it
1: and what it could create maybe better businessmen and women in the future too. So in Japan, there are laws and regulations prohibiting violence against children, just like there would be in any other country. So, yes, culturally, it might be, quote unquote, accepted, but it was outlawed. So, you know, that's something you have to think about there.
0: Right. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of things where rules and laws are passed. But, you know, like you said, culturally, they're still accepted, although we know it's it's. Uh, society doesn't like it they frown upon it but the people in the society if they don't say anything then the teachers continue to do it as well right so i mean it does come down to educating your children i think as well and saying hey you know what did you do today and having those conversations and yeah and not you know it's hard and, and again i don't have children so I, i've never had the opportunity to ask and say hey how was your day at school today and then given the silent treatment or it was fine and then they're, you know, they're back into their phones or something, right? I mean, I've never had the pleasure of having those wonderful conversations. But, uh, you know, I can see how it can be a difficult thing for parents uh, to connect to their kids, right? And and then them be okay because, again, they don't know how to maybe raise their children or don't know how to connect. So they allow that frustration that the teacher is putting on them as their own frustration as, too, as possibly, right? If you kind of get what I'm saying.
1: I do. And I think... You know, in, in Japan, the attitude certainly was that you would develop a stronger character having gone through these manufactured difficulties. But I say manufactured because I don't totally believe in that.
0: Right. And, you know, and, and that's the same thing. I know uh, growing up in the 80s in Canada, you know, I was born in 78. So, uh, you know, when I was growing up, you know, and we did something wrong, our pin. My parents would punish us too, right? Me and my sister. Yeah. And, you know, we would get smacked in the hand or we would get smacked in the head or, you know, sometimes get the belt or sometimes we'd get uh, uh, hot sauce and chili peppers and we'd get fed those and we got to go stand in a corner. And we'd and that was the only way my parents felt that they knew how to um, teach us the values that they wanted to instill in us, right? Now, wrong or right, I don't know. Um, what I do know that is based on the the, the uh, things that they did, I turned out to be a pretty decent person, right? right. So uh, I can't say if that's the reason I turn into a decent person or not, or maybe I would just, you know, I, I would still do bad things even after I knew what the consequences were because I knew the consequences weren't that bad. You I've know, been there. yeah, you know, can I handle getting hit in the head? Sure. Can I handle getting smacked on the butt or smacked a couple times with a belt? Yeah, I can handle it, right? So if I knew what the punishment was, well, then I can continue doing the bad things because I knew it would never get worse than what it was. So although, uh, you know, they did it, I do personally feel that, you know, I learned the lessons I needed to learn so I could become a better person. Do Am I telling parents to do that to their kids? You know, that's something you have to choose. I'm, you know, yeah. there are some uh, probably mental scars that I haven't dealt with somewhere in the back, right, about being hurt. Uh, you know, the scar in the back of my head I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know there are things that your kids will go through mentally so you know be aware of how you're going gr- to treat your kids when they're growing up and, and the kind of punishments you're going to be giving them right so um i mean there is a fine line and it's hard to say again because i don't have kids so i can't say one way or the other how i would do but i would uh, like to think that my goal would be to parent completely different than the way my parents uh, parented me and i'm assuming
1: yeah too Oh, absolutely. And, and more and more I'm realizing too, like trauma is actually fairly common in adulthood. I know that I've had certain, you know, traumas or else I wouldn't have irrational fears of, of certain things, or I wouldn't be kind of wired the way that, that I am. But I think, you know, part of, it's part of being human. Nobody's going to be perfect. You know, we, we even shared an episode about our parents and the top thing or the 10 things we learned from them. So obviously we, we appreciate, you know, they did the best they could with what they had. Uh, And I think that's, that's, that's the key point. You know, we all do kind of the best we can. So, you know, when you are left with these traumas or difficulties or emotional scars, then it's, it's a matter of like, how, how do you work through it? Do you see a psychologist? Do you talk to a counselor? Do you do, you know, reflective journaling? we have various things to turn to in order to kind of work through those things as well.
0: Right on. And, you know, you brought me into my next point as well. So, the, you know, we do have a lot of different options on how we deal with things or how we learn, right? So uh, what I wrote down was uh, we can watch documentaries or we can mm-hmm. read books, right? So one things that, uh, that I have started doing more is, you know, when I do have a few hours and, I, and I'm okay with watching, uh, you know, a little bit of TV, once I'm done everything I have on my agenda, you know, I don't mind watching the odd uh, Netflix show Show, right? And I mean, that's how we um, had talked about the I Am Not Your Guru episode, right? Because I had an opportunity to watch the Tony Robbins uh, talk and it really it got me thinking a little bit different, right? And looking at my own situation saying, well, I'm only ever dealing with the surface level. When am I actually going to go deeper into right. the real reasons of why I feel the way I feel, right? So it was actually a really good one. So, and and sometimes I like to watch the show um, Ancient Aliens, right? Because it's just a different way of thinking. It's a different perspective. And I think that's what outside of the box thinking should to do is give you a different perspective on, you know, things that are happening around you, life, or the way to get things done, right? If it's at work or in your personal life, it doesn't really make a difference. Uh, some of the, you know, ep- other episodes that uh, we would ask you guys to check out, uh, based on what is some of the outside-of-the-box thinking, would be uh, episode 3, where we were talking about buying a home, episode 4, where we talked about the pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. episode 9, we talked about 10 ways uh, to make a $100, uh, episode 13, we talked about science and technology and again episode 15 we talked about uh, 10 things I learned from my parents right so these episodes really were kind of outside of the box thinking along with a couple of other episodes uh, so definitely go through the catalog and have a listen and uh, leave your comments and tell us what you thought about these outside-of-the-box thinking episodes as well
1: That's great. I actually did spend a lot of time thinking about how as well, because that is kind of in the title of the episode outside the box, thinking why and how or how and why, as the case may be. And one of the things that came to mind for me, it's going to sound unusual, but is to start a business. Like So many of us say we want to do that one day, or we just think about it, or we just plan about it. And starting a business can help you think outside the box, especially when you, if you go through like a training system, or you get a mentor, or you go through some kind of program that teaches you the ins and outs of how to get a business started in whatever country or whatever climate that you currently live in. So the, really, it's about the lessons that you learn through going through that process. You can't just be like, well, you know, I I incorporated today, like that's not enough. You actually have to go through the process of building that business and and trying to get to revenue and, and scaling and all that kind of stuff. And that will give you a lot of valuable lessons about how to think outside the box, I think.
0: Right, you know, and I got a perfect example for that too. You know, what one of the outside of box thinking examples I had. So this is actually perfect. And as you're going through your list, I think I may have a couple of other examples that I've written down. So uh, it's a great way to present them. But uh, one of the outside of the box thinkings for starting a business was uh, a couple months back uh, here in Calgary. I attended a an event called uh, ATB Boostar. That's right. right. And what that was is uh, it gave entrepreneurs a platform to present their businesses for crowdfunding purposes. Right. So uh, they already had started their business they may already had a prototype they were already you know making money in their business but they're really just looking for a way to grow their business right once it had already got started so this event there um, and I actually talked about it on discoveryourlifetoday.com as well uh, where Mm -hmm. they could go in and network with the right people and, and find out how they could grow their business in their local economy first and then grow out of it right so I know when you're Anytime you're starting a business, typically you're going to start where you are, grow within your city, and start expanding from there, right? Uh, Especially if you're a brick and mortar. Now, if you're online, the nice thing we already know is you're already worldwide, as in the WWW tells us, right? You're already worldwide. So if you're going to be starting a business, you got to think globally as well, not just uh, in
1: your local, um, you know, city. And also in episode two, we had network marketing. Of course, I think that's where Maveen and I got a lot of our training and thinking around business. You know, we continue to adapt and change and th- mold our thinking around the things that we're actually participating in versus the business that we're no longer building. You know, obviously here in the online world, where we basically consider ourselves an online entrepreneurs with an offline presence. So those are the things that we continue to study and 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 think about all the time. But You know, network marketing is one thing that you can certainly explore and there's a lot of great training systems out there as long as you can sort of separate the wheat from the chaff.
0: Right on. Yeah, no, very true, right? You know, and that's one thing I think that allowed us to build our bond too, right? Because we had that uh, network uh, marketing background. Not that I don't think we would have bonded any other way. Um, you know, just based on the conversations we had. I think the biggest thing, like I said, was uh, you were already doing outside of the box thinking when I met you. Right? You already had your own online business, and it wasn't network marketing. It was <laughs> podcasting and blogging, and and that's exactly what where my mindset was was to you know be able to do those because I was listening to those. Uh, podcasts mostly more than reading blogs actually at that time Uh, more reading blogs and podcasts now but um, you know I knew that if I wanted to learn how to get better at my job, I would have to listen to people who were doing things that was different than what I was already applying at my current job, right? And obviously meeting you and chatting with you kind of, you know, solidified in my mind that I was already in the right process. In my thinking process, I knew I was going to, uh, continue in the right direction. And, you know, teaming up with you to do this podcast, as well as you helping me, you know, put together my own business, you know, it's been just, a it's been phenomenal because I've been able to now take all the things that I've been thinking of uh, you know, some of those things are, you know, uh, processes and thoughts that not everybody's going to think of. And uh, you know, same as you on the music entrepreneur HQ, you have processes that not everybody's thinking of and uh, you know, you're able to present them in your own unique way. And I think that's what makes the two platforms such a, an exciting thing for, for the listener.
1: Yeah, I mean, online content is really kind of the great separator. And that's why we have such a great focus on it and creating great content that people will connect with and want and and be able to take action steps off of so that they can better their lives too. There's a few things, you know, as far as thinking outside the box that uh, I think these things come up fairly universally in every episode. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but I am going to give Mav a chance to weigh on them uh, as well.
0: <laughs> Thanks,
1: Mike. <laughs> One is meditation, and I'm sure, you know, Mav might have a thing or, or two to say say about that. I mean, basically just closing your eyes, deep breathing, 10, 15, maybe even 20 minutes can be very restful and rejuvenating and help you feel better, but can also help you think beyond the box journaling as well or reflective journaling, you know, journaling on purpose. But even I think it's in the art, artist's way or that or the artist way they talk about morning pages. I like that idea as well. So I don't really try to write three pages or eight pages or whatever it is they tell you to do. But I just wake up, write things that come to mind, empty the mind and see what comes out. Going for
0: So, you know, I just wanted to add something to that one. I really like that. Those two together is actually uh, one that I use as well, right? So I use meditation and journaling together. Um, So I've been doing this since, you know, the starting of the new year. I had a resolution, I guess, (laughs) and I've been doing it. And, you know, but that's what I did, right? So when I first sit down in my meditation, I get my book. I have uh, just, I only write one page just like you. I don't try to write three, four pages, you know, unless I have a lot on my mind. And I typically don't because I am journaling daily. So there's really no reason to have that much going on unless something you know traumatic has happened to me or really some thoughts have come back to me after a really really long time right but I sit there initially I uh, and you know I'll write a couple of my thoughts that came to me from the moment I woke up to the time I've sat down and started meditating which is about usually about 10 minutes so whatever thoughts have come to me that are going to be helpful I write those down and I'll close my eyes like you said deep breathing uh, in meditation and you know sometimes it's a guided meditation sometimes it's just a quiet silent meditation and and you know, if I have thoughts that come to me that are going to help me in my life or my business, I'll write those thoughts down. And once I'm done meditating, I'll actually then put a line and then I'll start writing kind of what i learned about myself in that meditation, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe what I learned about other people in that meditation as well, because I'm not only just focused on me, I'm also focused on trying to understand other people as well. uh, Because again, um, that's the only way I think we can really connect to people is only not only understanding ourselves, but understanding other people as well.
1: Yeah. And I think for our listeners, the book is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, although I haven't read it. So I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I think that's the right one. The, the next item I had was was going for a walk. And this is basically, and it's, it's kind of similar to the next one, which is taking a shower. But those activities, when, when you go and do them, kind of give your brain a chance to assimilate all the things that you've been taking in, all the input, everything that you've been reading, the podcasts that you've been listening to, the shows that you've been watching, and then begin to make meaningful connections between those things, right? And that's totally outside the box thinking, but it's not forced. It's it's you're letting your subconscious mind come to those conclusions on its own, but you have to consume on purpose. You have to take an input that's actually useful, beneficial, powerful, something that can, that can help you think in that direction as, as well, or something that inspires and, and motivates you. But those are really great activities to just let your brain do some of the work and make those connections between two seemingly completely different, unrelated things.
0: Right, you know, and I've had these conversations with a couple different people, and, you know, a lot of times people will tell me that they have some of their best thoughts come to them when they're walking, and Mm -hmm. some people say they've had some of their best thoughts come to them when they're in a hot shower or a bath, right? So, there is something to be said when you can actually relax your mind and take it off of the activities that you're doing, and then just let your... Uh, mind just work and, and work through right kind of like a puzzle kind of like we were talking about this before we started recording we we're talking about dreams a little bit and, and kind of that's what dreams do for you right they kind of put mm, pieces together for you true. they allow you to kind of uh, understand the things that maybe you were thinking about that day and I think that's what a going for a walk and taking a shower does for you too right because it gives you that moment just to just let go for a minute and just really not focus on anything else but where you are in that moment and, you know, you're like you said, you know, enjoy that nature, look around, uh, understand how that tree connects to you, and understand why that tree is put next to that sidewalk and what that actually means, right? And, you know, um, when you start looking at these things and understand why these things are being done, then you can start looking at your own problems and say, oh, you know what? That tree is similar to this problem that I have. And the road is kind of closer to that, similar to that solution. And, that, and you know, I see that uh, the snow plow is picking up the snow and, and moving it closer to a tree. Well, they're doing that because when the snow melts, that tree will get the nutrients. And so, okay, now I get it. And now you can kind of start putting those, you know, same type of nature examples back into your, you know, examples you may have at your work or your business.
1: Yeah. And our bodies are 70, 80% water. So I think there is something fairly universal, although unexplainable about just being close to water, whether it's a body of water, like a lake, a pond, or a river, or being in water as in like a shower, a pool, you know, hot tub, how or what have you. Another thing we can all do, and I've kind of hinted at this, but is like present a problem to your mind before you go to sleep. So think intensely about it for maybe 10, 20, 30 minutes, uh, maybe even journal or write down some things as, as you're thinking about it. And then let it go and that's kind of hard to do i guess when you're thinking intensely about something especially if it's something you're trying to solve in the immediate but like the problem has probably been presented to your subconscious mind if you've thought that intensely about it before you go to sleep and then often upon waking up maybe the seeds of a solution or the complete solution will come to mind as as you're waking up and that's really the power of your subconscious mind
0: no, you're right, you know, and I read this book called uh, The Ant and the Elephant um, a couple mm-hmm. months back, and it's kind of exactly what the book was talking about. The book was talking about uh, using the power of your conscious uh you know, thoughts and voice to um, program your subconscious mind, right? So I fully agree with that, right? Because if the, if you can get yourself to do the things that you know you want to do, then you start thinking about the solutions, like you said, that you want to come up with, right? So uh, I do believe, you know... Sometimes people say affirmations, and you know you hear that thrown around a lot too, but even affirmations are the same type of idea, right? It's a way to use your conscious mind to program your subconscious mind so you can then do the things you want to do and then think about the solution that you're trying to come up with as well.
1: Yeah. The next thing may not be beneficial to absolutely everybody, but I would think anybody who who maybe doesn't engage in quite as much abstract thinking or creative work could spend some time drawing or making music or... You know, composing or just engaging in some kind of creative work, which helps to make those right brain, left brain connections. We are talking about the long term, though. It's not like you start today and suddenly you're thinking way outside the box a lot of the time, but you know, the rational or logical people sort of have an advantage in music in that they do math. And if you know, us creatives don't do math that well, when it comes right down to it, it, it's it's through the music we do that we begin to become better mathematicians in a way. So so you ha- sort of have an advantage if you're getting into music work and like even drawing and other things that are, that are quote unquote creative still have a, like a fairly procedural process when you think about it. Like when you th- watch an artist, what do they start with? They start with the sketch and the outline with a pencil And ultimately, that pencil uh, drawing will be removed completely with an eraser because then they'll draw over it with a pen. Then they'll color it in and do all that kind of stuff. Or they'll scan it. So they'll they'll scan it through their computer, bring it into Photoshop, and they'll color it. But you're still talking about a step-by-step-by-step-by-step process. and, And creative work can sometimes help you think outside the box.
0: No, excellent, and you know one of the things that uh, you reminded me of being uh, was an art class uh, back in grade ten. You know, and one of the things that uh, the teacher would do is say, you know, you're going to take an image. And you're gonna take the piece of paper that we were gonna draw this image on and say, now completely flip the image over and we're only gonna cover we're gonna cover it and we're just gonna leave maybe, you know, two percent or close to ten percent visible. Now the picture is upside down, and you're gonna draw that picture upside down and you're gonna draw it in lines. So as you, you know, draw the first ten percent mm. and then you move that piece of paper down and you unveil the next 10% and you draw just the next 10% and you're using your brain in a different way to draw a different way to think and a different way to see things and it was very interesting uh, to try to do that right I know you're talking about sketching as well in the same class yeah. Um I remember it was you can't you have to look at your hand you're not allowed to look at the paper and it was to try to sketch your hand and uh, see how well of a job you could do but it was really trying to get your brain and your hand your other hand Uh, that's drawing to connect in a different way than you had connected before right so it's really using your left brain and right brain uh, connections and trying to make a better connection because not all of us are going to use our right brain all the time and a lot of us are not going to use our left brain all the time
1: yeah that's great another thing that we can all do is think about our desired end so that, that through that process of visualization or perhaps even through meditation thinking about the thing that you want but then begin to work backwards towards it. Now, to me, that's not like a really foreign concept. But when I explained it to someone, someone else I met at another show home, incidentally, I was explaining to her this idea of like thinking about your goal and working backwards towards it, it was completely revolutionary to her. And and she said, yeah, I have to go home and, and think about that. That's cool. I want to try that. So, you know. Oh, so often we can think about the end point and what we want, but not know the exact steps to take to to get there. And that's why, I like this whole thing of of goal setting, sometimes if we ask too many how and when questions, we get stuck because we just don't have the answer about how and when. But if we continue to think about the what and why, the steps begin to present themselves. Wow,
0: well, you know, <laughs> you make me kind of laugh. Unfortunately, but as a person that was in sales. <laughs> Uh, you would think you'd understand you have to know what your ultimate goal in sales was, right? So especially if you're working at a show home, you're going to have a quota. You know, you got to maybe sell X number of homes and you got 12 months to sell X number of homes. So you have to really know how many homes you're going to sell that month and how many you know homes you're going to sell each month. And you have to know the difference of when the busy months are, when the not so busy months are. So you have to capitalize. So it was very interesting you would say to me that <laughs> she didn't understand that she had to work backwards. You know, if you have a goal of selling 40 homes. It doesn't mean you're going to sell 3.5 homes a month and you're going to hit your goal. No, because some months are going to be busier, some are going to be not so busy and you have lots of competition. So you have to really understand how your competition's selling against you as well. Right. So uh, I wonder if she's still in sales and if she listens to the show, I'd love to know what her, you know, her um, results have been since talking to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'd imagine you'd have to adjust the number of emails you send or the number of phone calls you make based on the kind of month you have too, right?
0: Absolutely. You know, and same thing when I was selling cars as well, right? I sold homes and I sold cars as well. And and you're you know, in order to get your bonuses or start getting your bonuses, you had to sell, let's say, over ten cars a month, right? And so in order to sell ten cars a month, well you had to break it down to how many people do I need to see a day, you know, what's my closing ratios? You have to know all these things. So you had to start from ten sold cars, figure out how many people you need to see. So maybe I need to see 30, 40 people, uh, and then, you know, start bringing that down to how many people I need to see each day. And, you know, and if there was a room full of like five or 10 salesmen, well, either way, you still have to get your three or four people a day in order to hit your target. So you don't really worry about what those other people, you know, had to see per day. You have to just worry about what you need to see that day.
1: Yeah. Yeah the next thing that we can all do is ask someone younger, like a child for, for an answer to our problem. And there's, you know, various reasons why this is interesting. I've heard of somebody in, in network marketing that was really high up and made it to a, a really, you know, solid level. And apparently he was heading to the bank with his daughter to pay off the mortgage. And, you know, she was very young, but, uh, but, uh, you know, fairly astute and smart girl. And uh, when, when, she asks, "What is a mortgage, Daddy?" And so he begins to explain what a mortgage is to her, and she says, "Why would anybody want a mortgage <laughs> which is which is so funny, but uh, you know, sometimes, as we often say, kids say the darndest things, right? So maybe they won't present you with with a solution, but they're gonna ask a question maybe that you wouldn't even think to ask yourself. like they might even point blank say, "So why are you doing that anymore?" And then you have to like... How, think very carefully about, oh yeah, why am I doing this anymore? Maybe if I quit this and did this instead, I could get on with my life. So asking someone like a child or your own child or maybe someone else's child, what about your problem could potentially lead to some very interesting uh, line of questioning.
0: You know, and I love that uh, idea of asking a child because, you know, there's no no stress in their answer. There's no confusion. Exactly. They're going give to give it to you just as it is, right? They're not confused by... You know all the things that are happening, and they're going to give you a childish answer because that's what they are—they're a child. But they're also going to give you a simple answer, and, and something that makes you say, "You know what? Maybe this problem isn't as big as I'm making it out to be, right?" And sometimes it's what we need to hear um, from our children or somebody else's child, as you suggested when you ask these questions, right? Um, yeah. It, it you know sometimes we just I think when you do talk to a you know someone that's younger than yourself, uh, you do realize that you're just you know your problems aren't as big as they seem to be. I guess I uh, maybe just repeating myself in that sentence, but I think that's so important to realize.
1: Yeah, I love the perspective you brought you brought to that. It's ha- absolutely right. And then one more point I had was just to study things outside of your usual input. You know, so often people go to church or remain you know, In contact with people only that are also sharing their belief system or in their culture or even just watch things that only support what they believe instead of examining things in the world from many different perspectives. And I think there's immense value in, in doing that. And I think it's also when you have the same stimuli, stimuli and input all the time, you end up creating the same things. So what's the point in doing something like blogging or writing a book? or or building a website when you're always thinking the, the same thing and you know pretty soon you will realize Hey, I think I just wrote 50 of the same posts, just said different <laughs> ways. Like may, maybe it's time to take in something new. If, you, if you're not into architecture, read about architecture or watch a documentary on architecture on Netflix. I mean, there's so many options on Netflix of documentaries, even, you know, without going into maybe action or sci-fi or fantasy or some other drama that you don't even want to get into. There's so many documentaries that you can just watch and, and get new stimuli from, so yeah absolutely
0: you know that's exactly where uh some of my points came from right you know just um you know, what 10 things, you you know, 10 ways you can celebrate Ramadan for non-Muslims. That's the idea of, you know, just thinking outside of yourself, right? You know, I love the idea of watching Netflix, you know, because that's where we got some of our topics too, right? Our yeah, pharmaceutical topic, our Tony Robbins topic on I'm Not Your Guru. That's kind of where they came from. and Food
1: choices too.
0: Food choices, absolutely. And that's where they stem from because, you know, it's just a different way for us to see, a different way for us to think and, you know, things that we know. You know, but it's not necessarily some things we think all the time, or maybe in the way we think all the time. So, uh, you know, um, the food choices one was interesting as well because you know I didn't realize that there there is a different. You know, amount of water needed to uh, grow organic food versus non-organic food. Something so simple. You know the differences. You hear about them all the time, but you don't really hear about the process that goes behind, mm. uh, you know, growing these type of foods. You just hear organic is better, or don't buy, or, or you know, don't buy pesticide food. But you don't really hear what the the science or the math or or the the eco uneco friendly or eco friendly you know, problems are when you do grow the foods in these kind of ways, right? So when you start uh, learning about these things, you start saying, you know what, maybe I should or I shouldn't eat organic because it's using two times more water. Is there a better way or is there something else I can eat instead? Or, you know, can I eat half organic and half non-organic and, or grass-fed or non-grass-fed, you know, especially when you look at beef? But, you know, it really does come to the way you think and, and the way you think is going to be based on how you understand um, the solution to what you're wanting to know about.
1: Yeah. And something like The Music Entrepreneur is so often actually about outside-the-box thinking because if, if you don't want to be a slave to the system or not 100%, you know, just leveraged into a label who's shelling out this all this money that you don't even get to keep, and and they're spending it on marketing and legals and all and promotion and all this kind of stuff, and and they're taking the majority of the cut. Like, if you want more control over your career, then it's absolutely outside the box thinking. What alternative venues could I play? What are some different ways I could package up my music and and sell it and make it more appealing to people rather than just selling one track or getting them to listen to five tracks, an EP or an album? What are what are some ways that, uh, you know, I could promote my music that others aren't using or aren't leveraging to promote their music? A lot of that is just outside the box thinking. And I think entrepreneurship has such strong ties with that to begin with.
0: Right, you know, I love how you brought entrepreneurship into that because that's exactly what uh, I did, you know, just on the way to think about how can I think outside the box because one of the things I always heard uh, in school, but I never did, was interesting enough was, you know, if you want to say, for example, go go and be a doctor, then go interview a doctor. But, you know, how many of us (laughs) actually go and interview a doctor once we've decided to become a doctor? Because, you know, if you want to really understand what the lifestyle of that doctor is going to be, then go talk to a few of them and don't just think, hey, being a doctor is going to be the greatest thing in the world, and I'm not trying to hit on doctors here, I'm just using it as an example, right? Um, but that's kind of what I did. So on, on, on the website, what I did was I interviewed yourself, right? And I said, you know, that's let right. me interview David and see what it is like to be a podcaster what is it like to be a musician what is it to be uh, like to be a blogger you know and, and I really got that information I interviewed another person by the name of Mark and you know he was into health and you know into health and and and, was, and fitness and I said you know what do you do and how do you do it and what did you study and because these are the things that I was interested in as well right so I went to the source and learned from them and I was looking to learn a little bit about drop shipping before I knew that was what it was called right I was just really talking to another person uh, by the name of Jose and he actually owned two online online businesses, right? And they're Mm. coffee businesses. And I just want to know, well, how did he get started and how did he build his brand and how did he uh, build, you know, the 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 people coming back to his website again and again and buying from him and you know these are the things i needed to eventually know for uh you know today.com and the things that we need to know for uh usingyourpower.com right so these are the things that would eventually help us but i didn't know that at the time but these are just something i had heard if you're going to if you want to learn something go to the source right and i think if we start thinking that way we could start getting more answers as
1: well that's probably the best thing about interviews and I think that's very much how Pat Flynn started his his podcast, was talking to people that would, could give him answers on on questions he was wondering about and present him with, with ideas on how to grow his business. You know, there's so many podcasts out there now with tons of interviews, and I don't think Pat is doing quite as much of that anymore because I think he has a pretty solid handle on where he is now in his business. So when he talks to someone, it isn't necessarily to learn about you know an aspect of his business that he doesn't understand oftentimes it's like showcasing case studies or or success stories these days but he started off by asking more questions of of people that were ahead of him in in business or maybe were even just his peers that he gotten to know and he said you know i'd really love to kind of you know pick your brain and find out what it is that uh makes you makes you successful in your work
0: right and you know one of the ideas uh I think that Pat Flynn has done, and I don't know for sure is, you know, he I last time I checked his income savings, he posts them right on his website. He was making anywhere between 180 and 200,000 a month. Yep. And I mean, if he wants to continue making that 180, 200, he'll continue doing what he's doing, right? And he'll keep getting great results, and he'll be, you know, he'll have an income unlike a lot of different people uh, that are in business and into entrepreneurship. But at some point, if he wants to develop his income and be, let's say, half a million a month, then he's gonna probably start to uh, interview more people people you'll see him hmm. start talking to people who've been able to generate half a million income a month right, right. because how you how are you going to become a millionaire if you don't talk to millionaires how are you can become a billionaire if you don't talk to billionaires right if you associate with you know people who only make 30 40 50,000 a year what makes you think you'll make a million right so at some point he knows that he'll have to um associate slightly different as well
1: I could see that happening for yeah. sure. What other points you got there, Matt? You
0: know, my last point on here is, you know, if you want to think outside the box, I believe sometimes you have to go travel to places you've never been. Yep. You know, I believe that wholeheartedly because one, I love traveling. I think there's a, a whole world of uh, things to see, people to meet, and, uh, and journeys and, and uh, things to experience, right? So uh, myself, I've been to places like Panama, Cuba, Dominican Republic. Uh, I've been to lots of places in the US. I mean, it's so close to us. Why not? It's in our backyard. Uh, yep you know, lots of places in Canada, because we're in Canada, you know, I've had an opportunity to go to India a couple times, uh, once with my parents and the whole family, uh, and I've gone to Barbados for a honeymoon. Uh, But, you know, going to all these places, I always found that I learned so much about the people, I learned a lot more about culture, I learned about how life works, right? And it really allowed me to see things uh, differently than I'd always thought they were, or the way they were being projected to me through media, or movies, or uh, online, like facebook right so uh it's really every time i go back to my thoughts on those experiences i can see things a lot different than i ever had
1: and people so often say travel gives them perspective right I've been to, I obviously lived in Japan, I've been to the Philippines and Malaysia, I've been to Mexico, various parts of the States, I've been to Hawaii. So, you know, I've been to various parts of the world too, and and I agree. And it has other benefits too, in the sense that you could also, you know, organize your travel around a conference or an event or something where you know people in your industry are gathering to talk about that specific area of your your expertise or skill set or emerging technology in that field which can be inspiring if nothing else and inspiration often does come from that place of feeling good feeling excited feeling motivated you know when you're down and you're not feeling good and you're depressed and you're sad and you're loathing life it's so much harder to come up with ideas so whatever it takes for you to get in that state, you know, if it means like setting yourself down at Starbucks and having two, you know, grande coffees and (laughs) (laughs) getting yourself pumped just for that, for that moment where you're inspired. And then you can begin really brainstorming and coming up with, with ideas, but whatever helps you get into that state, if you're really down and you're stuck and you're not sure. You know, that's one thing you can do. Obviously, you can also talk to trusted colleagues, friends, industry experts, like we said, you know, interview. That's another way that you can get some valuable inspiration.
0: Right. And, you know, I do like the idea of traveling to places you haven't been and having events, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, it is there's something about getting out of your own element and going to the unknown and then meeting people and talking to them in places that you're not familiar with because i do believe that they um just bring new ideas to you new concepts uh you know seeing even architecture in a city you've never been to can bring about you know ways for you to maybe build your website right mm. it's just different ideas different shapes that you're like you know i really enjoy that shape of that building i'm gonna maybe have my logo be something like that shape right you know obviously uh, it's just little different things. and and the more you get out the more you explore I think the more you keep learning about yourself
1: yeah that's a really great point so any closing thoughts there Matt?
0: Wow, closing slots. Um, outside of the box thinking I think is, you know, something uh, we should all practice. I th- mm-hmm. you know If we are able to um, just slow down in our day, uh, I love the idea of meditating and you know, finding the answers uh, to your questions through just, uh, you know, silence and just being with yourself because typically you're not going to find the answers that you're looking for when there's a lot of noise, right? A noise in your mind or noise in the background, right? So it is a, a good idea to s- unplug from social media once in a while, Uh, maybe every night would be good, maybe after 10 o'clock for example, if that's when you're done all your work or set that time where you are done your work by a certain time of day and then you unplug, morning or night, doesn't have to be only at night because some people work at night and sleep in the day, right, so find the right time for you, but unplug for maybe an hour or two and just really focus, go on a walk like you were saying, David, I think that's wonderful too, Uh, you know, and I think talking to people and interviewing people and getting out to events and you know, finding out more about yourself, networking And uh, I think you'll be able to uh, find ways to do things that you've never done before.
1: The world is changing fast and things like secure jobs or government pension funds or various other schemes and programs that existed to kind of support our life into old age, you know, are, are either going, you know, no longer valuable or no longer useful to the extent that they were in the past or going completely, you know, they're gone and they're going the way of the dinosaur age. So I think it's important to think about how you're going to, you think about your financial future, but also think about your health and your me- mental capacity and all those kinds of things moving forward. Otherwise, you know, we, we you can easily get lost and you can find yourself in some of the situations that that we talked about the, at the beginning of the show, whether it's, you know, being jailed or set free, you know, th- some of those alternatives aren't very attractive and you don't want to wind up in those in those places. And I think outside the box thinking, to summarize, really helps you avoid some of those undesirable situations and put you puts you ahead of others who may not be thinking that far ahead. Well, this has been Using Your Power. You can find us online at usingyourpower.com. We want to encourage you to leave a comment on our site or even on our YouTube videos because we want to interact with you and we look forward to chatting with you. This has been David Andrew Wiebe. Thank you.
0: And this is Mavine Kara. Have a great day.